0: Hallelujah. So my wife told me today that, she told me today that Prophet Phil said we're going to have an early spring. Everybody know who Prophet Phil is? Okay. And she also told me that Prophet Phil is like 40% correct. So like we do, we always celebrate the effort, don't we? We celebrate the effort. But you know what? You know, the people of the world are looking for people with insight, aren't they? They want people, even if they got to look to a groundhog, they want insight. But man, you know, God, we have insight for them, right? We do have insight. We are a prophetic people, right? Amen. Well, I'm going to talk about the prophetic today. But I do want to talk about what I entitled training to be relevant. Training to be relevant. I know Drew mentioned that at the beginning of this year that he felt that God was bringing clarity. And I, and I really believe that, you know, God is bringing clarity in our individual lives as well as, as our corporate, you know, setting as far as generation one. You know, we, we do believe we are a training center above all. You know, we are a resource center above everything else that we are, that's who we are, man. We're a resource center training and equipping people to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Me and my wife been away. Matter of fact, I've only been here at Gen One like one time in like two months. And it's not it's not I don't you know, that's not like me, but it's just the way my schedule has been worked out. And we were in Texas like last week visiting my um, my son and daughter in law, my grandkids. And I tell you what, I'm getting real good at talking and interpreting toddlerese. Man, I could talk like a toddler. Man, I could talk like a toddler. So I know what oman and gibbies are. That's oatmeal and blueberries. Oman and gibbies. I do know what pika is. Pika is pizza. And, um, uh, so real quick, I'll tell you a little story that took place, kind of a, it's kind of a serious, but it ended up humorous. So we go to Chick-fil-A and, um, uh, uh, you know, I'm giving my granddaughter the chicken nuggets, you know, and so I opened a box and I just put the chicken nuggets down and I cut them up a little bit, but I didn't cut them up small enough, okay? So she starts eating the chicken nuggets and she starts choking and, She's kind of going, you know, you know, like this, and so my son gets up and he gets around to get into the baby chair, and I'm getting ready to go in and start yanking stuff out of her mouth, and he kind of just gives her one of them Heimlich deals, and it pops out. He says, "Dad, you got to cut it smaller." I go, "Okay, man. It's been a while since I've had toddlers. I understand, son. Okay, so it's good. It's good, man. It all was good, you know. So this was what was to me. It was funny. It may not be to you." So uh, she, she goes, and so we're eating, and I go, is Kalina okay? She goes, Kalina's okay with chicken and french fries. Chicken and french fries. Kalina's okay. So all through the week that I was there, is Kalina okay? Kalina's okay with chicken and french fries. <laughs> so I can imagine when she's 16 years old, and I go, is Kalina Okay. She's going to tell me, Kalina's okay with chicken and french fries. Kalina's okay. All right. So today, I want to just uh, walk down a road with us about training to be relevant, okay? Because I really believe that we obviously are a time and a season in our country, and uh, Where we really, really, if we ever got to be relevant, we got to be relevant in this day and hour in our world. Let's forget the country in our world because the world, I mean, the world and not forget our country, but obviously the world. We got to be relevant in the world because the world is right in our fingertips. It's right in our face. We can bring it into our house every single day, okay? We are that close to the world. And we have to be relevant with them. And I believe that God's bringing clarity to us as individuals because that, trans- that transitions down to the world that you and I live in. We, don't, we live in the global world, but we don't interact as much with this global world as we do with the people we meet every single day. And we have to be relevant with them. And we have to be relevant with the people that we're trying to reach, the people that aren't Christians yet, right? We have to be relevant with them. And, and you know, I had this word uh, somewhat confirmed to me when I was in Texas. My daughter-in-law works for uh, Lifestyle Christianity, Todd White's ministry. She works for them. She runs their cafe for their school and their ministry there. So she's really, you know, around the people that are there. And uh, we went to one of their school, me and my wife went to one of their school meetings. We wanted to hear Todd White minister. I've seen him on YouTube. I've seen him, some of the things on the films that he's been a part of. But I never heard him preach. And I'll tell you what, I told this to the school last Tuesday. Me and that guy, we've got the same heart, man. When when God gave out hearts, he gave him and me the same heart. Maybe a few years apart, but he gave us the same heart. Because that man has a passion to disciple Christians. Matter of fact, the tagline of his ministry, Lifestyle Christianity, is this. Reaching Christians for Christ. He has a passion to see people become disciples that are impactful. Not people that just say, do you know Jesus? Yeah, I know Jesus. No, but people that... Are, are impactful. They carry it, man, and they're making a difference in the lives of the people around them, and they're making a difference around the people that they encounter. And my, my ministry, my whole life has been dedicated to making disciples of Christians. It's been, that's been my whole life. I, that's, that's why I've been in church. I've been in church my whole whole Christian life as far as ministering the gospel and teaching people on becoming disciples and helping and mentoring people to become disciples because it's so vitally important in any era that we live in, but we're living right now, and it's vitally important right now because we got a world that is ever-changing, and according to our perspective as far as the way they're changing, they're not changing in some areas for the better. Okay? And it makes it even more challenging, and it makes it more interesting how we've got to be relevant. We have to be relevant because we're not going to reach them if we're not. And to many people, when they hear that, they, they midi- immediately switch on a gear and they think that we're talking about we got to compromise. Nowhere in this little talk I'm going to have with you Am I going to talk, ever use the term that we have to compromise in order to reach him? The minute we do that, we're going to lose him. We're going to lose him. And we're going to lose ourselves. We're going to lose everything we love, live for. So there is that tension that's there. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But I want to just start this off by saying that, you know, when I got, when I got saved, it was during the time of Hal Lindsey, Lake Great Planet Earth, uh, the uh, left behind series and all that and that kind of like formed our end-time th- end theology. And our end-time theology whether we re- re- we believe it or not, well it helped shape the way we approach God. And that really got us to really reinforce a a real kind of judgmental type of God in the earth. Because you know it was all about get your life right, you're going to hell, if you don't repent, all that stuff. And, you know, at its core, it's, it's truth. However, we didn't present it in a way that was displaying a loving and kind God. You know, it just wasn't loving and kind. And the thing of it is, is, you know, since then I've rethought my whole end-time theology. And, folks, this is not what this is about, okay? It's not about intent time theology. But no matter how you believe, you see, the thing of it is, we were like weathermen. You know, you know the guy that gets on the news and tells you about the weather, which we heard a lot about this week. And, you know, they get on there. And you, you watch the weather, man. He gets on there, and he starts pointing, and, and you can see him start to vibrate, man. And, you know, and, and it's coming down here, and we're gonna get, and they're going to freeze. And, it, and they even had a name they gave what we went through called the polar vortex. The polar vortex is coming. And it's like, wow. And then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, they're, people are instilled with fear. They're running to Myers. They're buying 10 gallons of milk and, and, and all kinds. Of, they wipe out the store and all, and people just get all all shook up. And that's what we did. And, and, and it's a, "God bless the weathermen. they're passionate about what they do. But it's like I don't I, you know it is what it is, man. I just go along with it. And, and, and so, no matter what we believe concerning end times, two things that I'm going to not just two things, but the two things I'm going to launch off from here into what I got to say, it's true. Number one, First Peter three nine, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. All right, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The heart of God about every single person that walks upon the face of the earth, no matter what their character is, no matter what their nature is, is that he's desiring that they would come to rethink about how they're doing their life. Repentance changed the way you think. He's long What does he say to your neighbor? He, God, my God is long-suffering. You see, God is not like the weatherman. He just can't wait to beat you with that stick, and he's vibrating to do it. That's not God. He's long-suffering because he's not willing that any should perish. The second thing that I know about the end times, and it's pretty insightful, is this. That Matthew 24, 37 says this, But as the days of Noah were, so shall be the coming of the Son of Man. Now, I'm sure every Christian at every season in our life could identify that they were in the days of Noah. Just like we would agree all here. We're in the days of Noah like it was in the days of Noah. Well, you know, when I I read that at one time, I said to myself, as it was in the days of Noah. Well, I'm going to go back in the book of Genesis, and I'm going to look at what it says about the days of Noah. Pretty simple, right? As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the end time. Before that great and terrible day of the Lord. last days are different. I'm not trying to get on in-time theology, but the last days are different from the great and terrible day of the Lord. Two different things, right? We ain't got time to get into that. All right. Genesis 6, 5 through 8. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually or all day long. That's how it was in the day of Noah, that God looked on the earth and all the men and women that lived in the earth, and he saw that their thoughts all day long were only evil continually. And we like to end it there and say, bang, wait, here comes the big stick. But what does it go on to say? You can't, you can't, you can't, we can't stop at that thought, man. You just can't stop at that thought. Because to me, that thought is just totally negative, and there's no hope. And God is the God of all hope. You can't stop at that thought. Continue to read with me. And it repented the Lord, or he changed his mind, uh, or he changed the way he thought that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him in his heart. Holy mackerel, there is no hope if you keep they keep if you stop right there. It said it repented of him. He repented or he changed the way he thought about man. At that moment. Wow. It doesn't stop there. You can't stop there. And he said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing, the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. He was going to get rid of it all. At that point, he was going to get rid of it all. Everything he created. He was going to get rid of it all. You can't stop there. Please don't stop there. That's not what this message is about. It's not about stopping there. We got to continue to read. Verse 8. But Noah found grace in the sight of God. Hallelujah! That's where you can stop. He found grace. That's the new covenant right there. What do you mean it's the new covenant? You're reading the Old Testament. That's the new covenant. Noah found grace. That whole thing is a picture of Jesus. Read it with a new covenant mindset, and you'll just get Jesus out of all that. All through the whole account of Noah. But Noah found grace. Noah found grace. Folks, even in the times as it was in the day of Noah, people are going to find grace. And the grace that they're going to find is found in you and in me. That's why we got to be trained to be relevant. We can't have the attitude like... I said this at one time. God will have to repent to Sodom and Gomorrah if he doesn't judge America. There's no grace in that. Where in the heck is the grace in that? That means I stopped the story back here in verse 7 of Genesis where God's going to wipe them all out. He sent his son Jesus. Do you think that Jesus came to the earth just for this little handful of people? No. He came to save the entire human race from total oblivion. I don't know, did I say that word right? oblivation there he is. Should I have him come up here. Man, they're going to find grace. It's going to be found in you and me. We walk about in a tension, we live as believers, between what we experience and what we believe. A lot of times there's that tension. and you know, not, you know, you hear us talk about that tension. Matter of fact, this whole stage was played on instruments of tension. There's tension on that bass guitar. There's tension on that acoustic guitar. There's tension on every one of these drums. And there would be tension on that if it was a real keyboard. There would be t- tension on that. A piano, yes. Tension on all of it. And you see what happens. When all the right tension is in place, you get good music. But I guarantee you, if I went up here, where's that lady at that owns that guitar? she in the room? If I went in here and I just took this key and I tweaked it, just a boop, didn't turn it. You've seen me. I didn't turn it. And I just did that to it. Guess what would it do to that guitar? It's out of tune, man. It's either going to go flat or it's going to go sharp, man. And when she goes to play the chord that needs that key, that, that, that needs that string to make that chord, it ain't going to sound right. It just isn't going to sound right. What's that tell you and me? We just ain't going to sound right if there isn't that right amount of tension. So don't get shook about in your life when you're experiencing tension. Peter said this, count it all joy when somebody, when Jesus starts tuning your guitar. How about that? Huh? Count it all joy when Jesus starts tuning your piano. Okay? Count it all joy. No, we don't, we think about what, you know, we're just, you know, something's something's happening. You're being trained to be relevant. You see, Joseph became trained to be relevant to Egypt by, one, being thrown in a pit, two, being sold to slavery, and three. Three, being thrown into prison. That's how he was trained to be the second in charge. Wait a minute. He was number one in charge pertaining to the affairs of Egypt. And the only one, and even Pharaoh couldn't trump him on that. Okay? When it came to the economic affairs of Egypt, he was number one, it says. And you would say to me, and I would say to you, how on earth did a pit, being a slave, and being in jail train him for that? I don't know. You were getting ready for a good one, weren't you? But it was unique to Joseph, and it's what Joseph needed to become who he was. And you see, because God was tuning Joseph's guitar, right? That should have been the name of this message, tuning your guitar. Matthew 16, 24 through 25. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. I'm going to hopefully shed some different insight onto this scripture than what we're used to hearing. Hopefully it will. Then said to Jesus to, to work on, then, then went to Jesus to work on his disciples. Jesus went to, this is the message Bible. Jesus went to work on the disciples. He said, anyone who intends to come with me has to, be, has to let, me, let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat, I am. Don't run after suffering, embrace it. Don't run from suffering, embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way. My way to finding yourself and your true self, what was jesus 's cross jesus 's cross obviously we look at when we, we get this picture of the cross the cross is the thing that we carry to su- we suffer with, but let 's look at it even beyond that jesus 's cross was his mission right jesus 's mission was to carry the cross jesus mission was all about the cross Jesus was born for the purpose of the cross that was his That was his why in life, and that was his what in life. The cross was his what, okay? The why was to save mankind. All right? So, whoa, sorry about that. I didn't mean to do that. So, um, what is our cross? Our cross is our mission. Are you picking up your mission Every day of your life. Are you reminding yourself who you are every day of your life? Are you reminding yourself of what God has made you to become every day of your life? Because if you don't, somebody's going to tell you who you're not. He's going to try to dance in your head every single day of your life. So if he's going to come and try to dance in your head every single day of your life then maybe you should maybe we should tell ourselves who we are and what our mission is every day of our life. And then when you find yourself in the pit or feel like you're in slavery or feel like you're in jail or whatever your tribulation is or wherever however you're being tuned you'll just it's just an automatic of reminder of who you are and i'm not just talking about your identity because we, we definitely need to do that because that's you know you know let's let's use jesus as the example obviously in the in the desert he was being challenged by the devil not with those things but his his whole identity was being challenged who he was. Why? Because Jesus, just, you know, earlier through, through John the Baptist and through that interlude he had with John the Baptist being baptized, he declared who he was. He let the whole world know who he was. So the devil had to come in and try to tell him who he wasn't. Or get him to doubt that. And if he did it to Jesus, he's going to do it to you and I. That's why if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, Jesus said it himself, if you're going to be my disciple, take up your cross and follow me every day of your life. Don't worry about your life. Let me control it. And I'll do it. But you have to do that willfully. You have a free will. And what is a free will? It's just that. It's a free will. You and I get to do that. You and I get to do that. Embrace who you're becoming. Pick it up every day. Identity is so important. Being trained to be relevant is to know who you are. So that when you're challenged with all these questions, and you're challenged with with all kinds of different things that are contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ, you know emphatically who you are and whose you belong to. Self-sacrifice is giving up, making the plans that you have, that you live by, your life by, and adopt God's plan for your life. The Bible talks about in Ephesians about predestination, that for every believer, he has predestined a life that we are to come into, and that is to coming into the image of Christ so that we can represent him to the earth. You hear us use that terminology a lot, representing Jesus to the earth. Okay? And that doesn't come by haphazardly discipling yourself. But that's someone who, number one, has taking up his cross, knows his mission, okay? 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 5. Man, I got I to power through this, okay? We will. All right. 2 Timothy 2, 5. And if you really want to know, I didn't mention this, if you really want to know what God really did for the people that he mentioned in Genesis about the ones, you know, why, why he was going to judge the earth, read 1 Peter 3, verses 18 through 20. See what Jesus did for those people, the people of that time. You'll, it'll, you'll, you'll, you'll get excited about that. Where am I going? I said 2 Timothy. Gosh, come on, Tony, know where your Bible, books of the Bible are. All right. 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 5. It says, Thou, therefore, my son, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others. Thou, therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangled in himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if any man strive for the masteries, yet he is is not crowned except he strive lawfully. I'm going to just give you a couple bullet points about that whole thing that I read. Number one, pursue developing a strength. In other words, training. Pursue developing a strength of who you are, a strength of character, a strength of purpose, a strength of everything in your life. Real quickly, when Moses died, God took him, and he buried him up in some mountain somewhere that nobody knows where he buried him. And the next, time, next thing you see, he's talking to Joshua, and he talks to Joshua, and he tells him, your, my servant Noah... I, my servant Moses is dead. In other words, you see, Joshua and the people of Israel were used to Moses leaving for like 40 days at a time and not coming and not knowing where he was at. And for all they knew, this was another one of those times that he was just gone for another length of time. But God had to come to Joshua, and you know what he told him? He says, "My servant Joshua, my servant Moses is dead. you're in charge now. How would you like that? How'd you like that? One minute you're being mentored by Moses, and maybe you think, "Okay, yeah, okay, man, I'm gonna get some good lead time here," you know, and, and he's gonna announce his retirement, and you know, and he's gonna announce it to the congregation that I'm in charge, and 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 now you're in charge now. You know what he told him? Somebody tell me what he told him. You guys know? Would you say? He says, "Just be strong and of good courage." You see, everything I was training you for through Moses was the purpose of this day and forward for you. So just be strong and of good courage. You see, because you know why? Because God knew that the people needed to see somebody who had the same spirit as Moses. Oh, wow, isn't that what God told Joshua he was going to do? The same spirit I put on Moses, I'm putting on you. That's all he needed. Folks, it's simple. It's not real difficult. Being trained for relevancy is not real difficult. You just got to embrace where you're at and know that God is doing something in you and through you no matter where you find yourself. No matter where you find yourself, whether it's in the pit, feel like you're a slave, or you're in jail, wherever you're at, he's going to do it. He's going to tune your guitar. And guess what? One day you might just hear, be strong and have good courage. You're on. Right, John? You're on, right? You're on, baby. You're on. I know you are. He's got his on button on. He doesn't have an off button. We shouldn't have an off button. We should always have it on. It's always on. Because you never know when Holy Ghost says, Bam, you're the best I got for this moment. Come on, folks. That should be exciting. When you're standing there in front of somebody and you're talking, you got to know that you're the best he's got for that moment for that person. And you've been trained for that. We've been trained for that. (sniffs) Encourage others to do likewise and duplicate yourself. Endure the grueling challenges of training and make the changes where necessary. They will save your life. Trust your training. He, he says, endure hardship like a good soldier. He relates to training like being trained for a soldier. Your DI, your drill instructor in, in, in the... In the armed forces, they train you and they make the adjustments. If, they learn, if ever they learned a lesson in World War II, they learned the lesson when they, when they charged the beaches in Normandy and they started letting off those troops thousands at a time, thousands at a time. The thing that they learned was, we didn't teach these guys how to swim without, with packs on. And most of those men died because they drowned. They learned a hard lesson that, that that season. And guess what they did when it came time to training them again? They trained them how to swim with a full load of pack on. Folks, we're, we're engaged in a battle, man. Now, we're victorious. We fight from victory, not for it. But folks, some people... I have to draw it to this type of magnitude. Some people that you get in contact with, it may be the last time they meet anyone that possesses the gospel of Jesus Christ before they pass from this life on to the next. I remember, I'll give you a story real quick. I remember a time I was preaching just like I am to them. I'm, I'm preaching away, and there's a guy sitting in the front seat. And he came forward, and, and, and I pray, was praying over him, he would receive Christ. And I looked him straight in the eye, and he looked straight at me. Little did I know that I was speaking prophetically to this guy. I told him, I said, the decision you're making is literally a, a decision between life and death, not just spiritual life death, yours, your life, and your death. I says you need to take this serious, and you know went on to minister. He received Christ. He went his way. Well, that guy happened to be fr- friends of a guy that that he came came there. The guy that he came with, and that guy was m- one of my best friends at that time. And and I said, you know, I, his name was Sal. I go, Sal, what what whatever happened to that guy? You know that guy. I, had to, I says, man, I had such, I had such a. Uh, just a, just such a powerful thing of uh, spirit of God on I me mean, when I told him those things. And it was just it wasn't in my character to say those things that I said to him. He says, man, it's funny you ask. It's not funny you ask. He says, they found that guy dead in his car. He'd been dead in his car for like a week. You really don't know, folks. That's how life is out there. And we have to be trained to be relevant see, not every story ends up a great testimony. They end up like that. I could tell you story after story after story of 45 years of ministry. Those are the ones I remember because those are the ones that in myself, you know, I just pray and I believe the best that, you know, he was, he was good. I mean, as far as I know, he was good because he gave his life to Christ. He just, you know, he made some bad choices. After that, that ended up taking his life. But folks, that's how serious this is. It's how Paul looked at it. It's how he looked at it. First Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, or with reverence, or or a, a soberness. That's why I said Jonathan's button's always on. His button's always on. Our buttons, we, we have one, there is no on and off switch. You get, you get hardwired. Ding, you're hardwired. Just hardwired, man. It's on all the time. Holy Spirit's in you, man, it's on all the time. You could be, man, I don't know. Folks, I'm telling you, I don't remember. I, I, I can't remember how many times this has happened to me. I'm walking, and I'm walking by somebody, and all of a sudden, boom, whoa. I just feel this overwhelming sense that i got to talk to that person. I'm, I'm filling a vending machine once. I was filling. I, I filled vending machines. I went down. I'm filling vending machines, and all of a sudden, I feel there's somebody behind me. I, I turn around, and boom. My boss is there with a person he wants me to train in. This this overwhelming sense is, you got to tell that person about Christ. That's the first thing that came to me. Not about training them to fill vending machines. Well, come to find out her story was that she she was, uh, you know, backsliding. We called it backsliding back then, but she was distant from God. Wasn't cultivating her relationship with God. I was able to encourage her and minister to her. So, we're being trained for relevance, folks. It is where a divine appointment, you see, that, that being ready, having that on switch all the time, it's where a divine, impo- a divine appointment can become a divine encounter or a defining moment you heard me talk about defining moments. I talk to him about it a lot. You know, you could probably number how many defining moments you had in your life, in your in your walk, just your whole entire life. That this was a defining moment, and that was a defining moment, and that was 2006 was a defining moment for me and my wife, married too. Right, 2006, yeah, defining moment, and a divine appointment with you a divine appointment with you becomes their defining moment. <laughs> I'll tell you later, babe. <laughs> anyway, it can. Don't get emotionally or otherwise attracted or connected to the spirit that drives this world. We are in the world but not of it. Don't let the lifestyle of this world and its demands intimidate you. Because Peter says this, it's like a roaring lion. It's as a roaring lion. The world is going to roar at you and me with its lifestyle and its theology and its beliefs, and it's going to roar at you to intimidate you to get you and I to back off. They want to shut our mouths. They want us to compromise. They want us to give in to all that. We ain't going to give in to it. We are going to prepare ourselves to be a Joseph. To have the... You see, folks, Joseph's purpose was not to interpret the dream. That wasn't his purpose. Interpreting the dream led to the real purpose of why he was there. He interpreted the dream so that Pharaoh would turn control of Egypt over to him, and he would make it a success story. Do you realize that that was a divine appointment and a defining moment for the earth at that time? They were facing, in 14 years, worldwide starvation. A massacre of people dying from starvation. If something wasn't done about it. If they would have just walked away from it and didn't partner with it, they would have said, oh, that was a nicey-nice, let's move on to the next thing. They'd all been dead. But Joseph not only interpreted the dream, he told them what to do. This is the plan you need to do. You need to take a fifth part of every year of, 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 um, of abundance, and you need to store it away. You know how much grain they stored? They literally created cities to store the amount of grain they took. It, they started counting and keeping track. That, that Joseph said, forget this. He took the tally book and he threw it away. He says, we can't keep track anymore. We've got so much stuff. We got so much food, we can't keep track of it. Egypt was built on the wealth that Joseph accrued as a result of all that time. Egypt became a world power because they had the answer for worldwide starvation. What's that tell you and I? tells you and I that if we're trained to be relevant, we can have the answer not only for individuals' lives to come out of ruin and come out of literal death, spiritual death, physical death, but it also means if we're positioned in the place and our destiny is to impact those individuals in high places, if that's where that all takes us, that we can do the same. But it has to start with you and I knowing that we're trained for relevance. Just a little bit passionate about what I'm doing. Just a tad. All right. Don't get emotionally vested. Don't let the lifestyle intimidate you. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Be ye holy, for I am holy. We use this tagline or this scripture as our tagline to get out of anything and everything that had to do with the world. Bad move. That scripture doesn't mean that. That scripture means this. Come out, separate yourself unto God so that you can be relevant to the world so that you can minister to them. Because the only way you're going to be able to minister and be relevant to the world is if you come out to me, separate yourself to me, I'll pour wisdom, I'll pour my spirit into you, I'll pour everything of heaven into you, I'll pour heaven into earth through you. That's why you can't have the world in you. Because that kingdom can't abide with it. Jesus also said this when he, in relationship to when he was talking about end times and he was talking about his second advent. He said, he said this, kind of an, another interesting statement that he makes, like he said with, as it was in the day of Noah. He said this, remember Lot's wife. Ooh, remember Lot's wife? Okay. You know what I did when I read that? Remember Lot's wife? Well, let's go see what old Lot's wife did. If I'm supposed to remember her, I better go find out what she did. You know what Lot's wife did? You know what Lot's wife did? Whoa. She looked back. Folks, (laughs) there ain't anything back there for you and me. There's nothing back there for you and me. That's all I got to say about that. There just ain't nothing back there for you and me. Man, I have got, can you give me a few more minutes here? Just a few more. I'll be I'll be finished here real quick. I'm going to have to bounce beyond some of this, but I'm going to try to hit some of these higher points. Okay, this is the one I, yeah, I'm going to definitely got to do this, and then I'll I'll bring it to a conclusion, all right? Okay, Luke 9, Luke 9, 57 through 62. Many of us read this scripture. Hopefully I'll shed some insight on this. That's not been a common, not that I have some, you know, great insight, but I just tried to read scripture more and more now with, as on earth as it is in heaven, and filled with just that heart of grace and it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow you whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man hath nowhere to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. And, but he answered and said, Suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury the dead, but go thou and preach the, God, the, the kingdom of God. And thirdly, a man came unto him and said, I will follow thee, but let me go first, go and bid them farewell, say goodbye to all my family, which are at my home and my house. And Jesus said unto them, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Real quickly, the gospel of of kingdom is relevant to all people at all times. Uh, We need to be adaptable and ready to move off of what is current and be willing to change. Don't get fixed on a methodology. Methods are negotiable. In other words, I don't have a place to lay my head. You're not supposed to get yourself rooted into anything and make that that thing, uh, uh, you know, don't make it a sacred cow, man, because God may have you moving off of that stuff. In other words, I had to be, apt, I had to be adaptable to change in order for my life to mature and to grow and to become uh, relevant. And you may say, well, you know, you get, you're pushing real close to that compromise. I've never, never said the word compromise, did I? never said it once in this message, because I don't believe in it. I don't believe that we we compromise the non-negotiables of the Scripture. I don't have to do that. I know emphatically what the Bible teaches me to, to walk in and to be in, and I walk in it, and as I get more light of that, I choose to, to walk in that too, okay? I'm not looking... To, to look like the world, so I'll be, they'll be attracted to me. They're going to be attracted to me because they're going to see an answer in me that they need for their life because their life's a mess. Unfortunately, if I was to poll everybody in this room, the way that you came to Christ is that your life was in a crisis at that time. That's usually how most people come to Christ. They have to have a crisis first in order to come. Now, yeah, there are those that that don't. Praise the Lord for that. There are people that lived the life ever since they were a kid. That's the most powerful testimony that you could have. You don't have to go ruin your life and then get saved. Come on. I'm not teaching that. I'm not teaching to purposely screw your life up. It's going to have enough challenges as it is, right? But sometimes he has to tune our guitar. We get out of tune. Secondly, stay away from people, theology, and religion that doesn't give life, even if it did at one time. Remember, these things change, and sometimes for the bad. You know, you got to be willing. Stay away from some of the people. Some of the times, some of the people that you once hung around with were good for you, but maybe they're not anymore because they're dealing with death. Let the dead bury the dead. Jesus wasn't being insensitive. He was letting him know the magnitude of what it is to be a disciple. You are a carrier of life pursue life pursue to give life edify edification exhortation that all speaks to life okay you can't plow in the way which is straight and narrow if you're looking backwards jesus said narrow is the way straight is a gate and narrow is the way in the kingdom See, everybody wants their lights on Broadway, but Jesus said, get on the narrow way, right? And he says, you cannot plow while you're looking back. I can walk pretty much a straight line because I'm not drunk, okay? I can pretty much walk a straight line if I'm looking forward, right? But if I turn around, I'll be all over this stage if I had my head like this know if I was going straight or not. Try plowing a field like that. <laughs> and that farmers. Somebody would drive by and say, you know, that, well, that's what amazes me when you drive by. You, you could drive by and you could see, for as far as you could see, a field that's plowed. And man, that thing is as straight as a button. Man, just as straight every row. Because you get maximum use of the ground that way. Can't turn around. Like I said, there ain't nothing back there for us. Okay, let's wrap all this up. Okay. Philippians 3, verse 10, tells us that we have not been, Paul says that I have not been apprehended for everything that I have been called to do. In other words, I have not been trained in everything yet that I have yet to do he says but this one thing i do i press on to the prize of the mark of the high calling of god in christ jesus okay you see our our desire as disciples should be that i want to be as relevant as i can to everybody i meet so that I can best represent Jesus to them. And guess what? God will do that for you. You just got to be willing and obedient. You know the amazing thing about Jesus, and I, I have to always go back to Jesus as my example, and Jesus as being the benchmark of where I got to measure my life to. It said about Jesus that he learned Obedience through the things that he suffered. Wow. What do you mean? He learned how to believe God, to walk in his relationship with God when he was at the lowest points in his life. He really found God there. Now, I... By no means am I encouraging us to all just go home and say, hey, man, make my life miserable. You know, no. But you're going to find God there. God can be found there. As a believer, he can be found there. And the best thing about it is you can find the things that are going to temper you and take you to another place in that relationship with him there. Those things are found there how do i know it i mean joseph did he found some amazing things there and and we don't have time to get into it but man i could i could walk you down just just that whole incident with joseph and just some of the things that if you bring it home to where you're at some of the things he was going through during those times that are normal to people going through those types of things of betrayal and and being, um, you know, abandoned and being falsely accused and all those things that we experience and all the mental gymnastics that we have to go through in order to become free of that and not allow it to consume and be the driving force of our life. So just as we end, I just take a moment and just close your eyes before the Father. and, And I would just... Say this: that I, I pray that it's in the heart of every person in here that you want to be trained for relevance. And just talk to Jesus, and and, and some of you can talk from the point of you know where your call, what your calling is. You know what people, groups that you find yourself most attracted to, and who you talk to, and who you may have an inkling towards, and all that just ask the Holy Spirit, if you haven't already, to train you to be relevant. Bring clarity to how I am supposed to go about and carry myself and do that amongst the people that you've called me to and the ones I'm already surrounded with. The Holy Spirit, as you're here, and you're, you're speaking to the hearts of every person here, Father God. And even if they can't answer some of those questions as to the what and the why, they are definitely a disciple. They're definitely put here to, to make a difference. And so, Father, begin to, Lord, as they ask, ask that same question, Train me for relevance. Even though I may not have a specific idea of the people or a specific passion for a specific group of people, I still am around people. I still commune with people. How do I become even more relevant to them in sharing the answers of life through Jesus Christ? Yeah, Father. You do that, Lord Jesus, all over this room, Father. And, and, and Lord, begin to, to answer those questions and bring us into an intimate dialogue during our sweet times with you, Father. And Father, we totally take up our lives, place it into the hands of the master musician and say, tune me. Tune me for life. Tune me for relevance, because that's what we want to do. Father, generation one, tune us for life. Tune us to be relevant for the people of Detroit and those that you've called us to. Tune us for that relevance, Father, because we choose to represent you to the world. One last thing before we leave. If there's anybody in here, if you've not received Christ into your life, if you've never been asked the question and responded to the affirmative, have you ever received Christ in your life? And would you like to do that today? Would you like to make this a a pivotal point where you wheeled off of and say, I remember that day on, on Groundhog's Day 2019 where I set a prayer inviting Jesus to take the helm of my life and come into my life and to forgive me of the course that I've personally had my life on if you've never done that before just put your hand up and down real quick and I'm I'm looking all right if you have it that's fine if you have haven't just raise it right and you'd like to do that I'm not going to bring you up here. I'm not going to do anything but pray with you right now. Jesus, just have you make a, say a prayer right where you're at. So, Jesus, if there's anybody in this room, Father, all they simply have to say is, Jesus, come and take the helm. I declare you the Lord of my life. I confess you as the Lord of my life, as the one that's going to be the primary influencer above even myself in my life. He's the one that I look to for guidance, for wisdom, and for the ability to communicate the gospel to others in Jesus' name. Amen? All right, bless you all. Make sure you say hello to a few people before you leave. And uh, I thank you for the time that uh, you've let me have with you.